Chapter 5. Moving on. I woke up and found we were already making way out to sea. Scotty was sleeping right next to me. He's a young, kind boy with fiery red hair, strong limbs, and can't be older than 15 years. All the other men were at least in their late 20s or 30s. I sat comfortably, looking outside and dreaming of Penelope and the pups back home. I could see in the horizon another ship approaching. I went out to the top deck. All hands were hard at work, and the captain was by himself, closely analyzing his maps he must have acquired last night at Madrea. Out of nowhere, I started barking. Almost at once, as though gunfire had been shot in the air, the crew all turned to see what was going on with me. Their eyes glimpsed my astute figure, arrowed to the direction over the sea, and then drifted their vision to the misty water where the ship was becoming more noticeable. They scrambled at once, changed their flags from its previous lines of white to dark blue hue with green tips. We were in pirate water, indeed, and their language of green tips is a sign of peace. Nothing happened that day, and the ship across the way sailed in the opposite direction. We are moving at an incredible speed, at least it seemed so compared to the past few days. It was too much movement for me. It was the wakes which we crossed and the motion of our vessel I fell slightly ill. Captain Foreman, after realizing I helped avert a potential disaster with the other ship by alerting the crew, decided to keep me close for the rest of the day. I noticed his maps as he stroked my backside, a common pleasure for men and their hounds. I noticed his maps in good detail. He whispered a secret when no one was near. He said, good boy. When we get to our final destination at Australia's tip, we will make a future, and I will purchase my own boat, leaving the smuggling to the less fortunate and foolish brave. I have far too much to lose. At that moment, the captain sat back, stretched his arms out, grasped his fingers together, lifting his arms behind his head, resting his head into his clasp, interlocking hands, and relaxed. His eyes look over the vast ocean. A beautiful day it is indeed. The strong sun, the smell of salt water, and the freedom of movement in open water was like nothing I ever felt before. In a way, I wish it would never end. All at once, the captain brought his hands back to center, stood up at the sight of Scotty, and yelled out to him, Scotty, come into my quarters for a moment. You must fix my room for... For... The captain took a moment, looked at my leather collar, searching for a name to be printed on it, and spit out, For Roger. I was so happy to be in good graces of the boat captain so quickly. What I was about to find out next would shock and sadden me all in the same. Scotty followed the captain to his cabin, and I behind the both of them. They entered the room, closed the door behind, and looked at one another. Captain Foreman opened his arms, grabbed Scotty, and brought him near to hug him, till almost his breath flushed out. Roger, the captain said, this is my son. Meet my son, Scotty, he repeated. Now you are the only other on the ship that knows Scotty is my son. I brought him with me on my voyage after his mother died during childbirth. I couldn't just leave him to the state. Who knows what what would have happened to him. So when it was time to leave for India, we lied about his age, enlisted him into the Navy, and I assigned him to my ships ever since. The captain began to speak with Scotty in a low voice, looking at his maps on the wall. He grabbed some bread and dotted it with olive oil, salt, and pepper, and passing it to him for a quick snack. 
I sat and watched as they discussed simple matters. They spoke of Scotty's day-to-day and that soon they will have their own ship. Trying to keep their secret theirs until that time they never spoke personally together in front of the men. All I could think about was my own family and how I abandoned them to bring peace back in their lives. A strange twist. I guess in life there are always sacrifices to succeed, protect, to love, or to find out what really matters. The afternoon went on and the water was quiet. The men were eating dinner and the captain and Scotty spent just a few hours playing cards and talking before he would have to get some dinner as well. The sails stood still. It felt strange as we cruised past into the last leg of our trip, not knowing what catastrophe lay ahead of us. The crew's mumbling seemed to show some sign of our next stop. According to the timetables, we only have another four days before we get to Port Headland. I could leave there with no problems. The plan is to catch a carriage and head to the small town of Salisbury, just a few miles northeast, and then onto the father's home, where I presume he still lies ill or even worse, dead. I had Penelope tuck the address into my collar before I left so I could pull it out and remind myself when the time was right. She folded it up and curled it around the leather ring. The address was on a small piece of paper behind, up on the blacksmith's writing table where he kept track of his finances, business items, and personal matters. Music